When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This episode of Ladies Who Punt is brought to you by Inglis. Inglis has had over a century of turf champions go through their sales rings And now, with their Pink Bonus Series, there has never been a better time for women to join in on the fun of racehorse ownership. That's right, Grace. With the bonus prize money up for grabs, the Pink Bonus Series is a great initiative to get more women involved in racing, making Inglis a fabulous partner to ladies who punt. We can't thank them enough for supporting our podcast and the representation of women in the racing media. Field is ready. They're racing in the Oaks. Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Ladies Who Punt. We are the podcast that aims to decode the sport of horse racing one topic at a time. My name is Fiona Blair, and with me today, as ever, is Grace Ramage. Hello, Grace. Hello, Fee, and hello to everybody listening in to what is going to be a big episode on Ladies Who Punt, Fee, because we are getting stuck into what is one of the biggest weekends, the biggest Saturdays on the Australian racing calendar. I literally already have excitement butterflies buzzing around in my belly. It's like, it feels like I'm a little kid leading into Christmas. I don't know what it is. It's just the fact it's Golden Slipper Day this Saturday and also All-Star Mile Day at the Valley. Um, I'm just literally so excited. How about you? Yeah, so excited for the weekend of racing. Five group ones at Rose Hill, which we will be covering and we have copped a bit of criticism since starting Ladies Who Punt that we are very Victorian heavy. So for all those who are in New South Wales, this one is for you. <laughs> <laughs> very exciting to have the All-Star Mile on as well. Uh, but yeah, we'll just be looking at the five group ones at Rose Hill today and you know, taking a break from our episodes that have been focusing very much around the sales so far. So this week, a bit of form to get back in the swing of things. And it's also a really good opportunity, Fee, for us to actually go back and have a bit of a refresher on some of the things we learned last year, because there was a lot. We have been through plenty of different topics, decoding all of the confusing elements of so many different parts of the racing industry. And especially when it comes to form analysis, I mean, that's what we're focusing on today. This episode is all about who is the winner or who are the horses that have got really good winning chances in each of the five group ones at Rose Hill. And we'll be able to really hone some of the skills that we learned last year in doing so. That's great, Grace, because I'm feeling a little bit rusty since we haven't been doing uh, much form in the last few episodes. So we're covering the five group ones at Rose Hill on Saturday. And I think the best place to start is with the track. What kind of surface are we going to be racing on And how does Rose Hill race? Will there be certain horses that are advantaged on Saturday? So we haven't had much rain in Sydney at all recently, which is remarkable because normally (laughs) it comes to the Autumn Racing Carnival in Sydney and we're on heavy tens already. You know, remember last year we had to have um, one of the 
meetings actually transferred to Newcastle because it was washed out in Sydney. So they have been absolutely hammered by weather in recent years. So um, I think everybody is extremely happy to be racing on what should be a good track this Saturday for Golden Slipper Day, uh, one of the best days on the whole calendar, Golden Slipper Day with the five group ones and, of course, so much prize money on offer um, in terms of the actual track itself, Fee, well, we've spoken a lot about, obviously, the differences between, say, say, two Victorian tracks in Flemington, which is open and spacious with a very long straight, to Mooney Valley, which is very tight turning um, with only a 200 metre straight. When we're talking about Sydney metropolitan tracks, Randwick is more similar to Flemington, in which it's got really big bends, really open spaces and a really long straight. Rose Hill, on the other hand, is probably a little bit more like Caulfield, so not as tight turning as Mooney Valley, but still with a shorter straight of about 400 metres. Um, and it does have a little bit of a tight turn leading into the bend, especially for the Golden Slipper horses. So um, that is something to take note of from that 1,200 metre start at, at Rose Hill. It is quite a sharp turn into the straight, uh, which is why you often will see that leaders or horses on speed and sort of forward of midfield do have a really good winning strike rate at Rose Hill because uh, the back markers just don't necessarily get their chance to get into the race every time. So I'd say that probably forward of midfield is where we will want to be playing uh, at Rose Hill this Saturday, especially on a good track, but it always is dependent on the pace of the race, as we know from last year. If they go really hard up front, um, that really brings those that are settling toward the rear of the field into play because those horses up on speed will be running out of energy, tiring late, while those with the fresher legs in behind definitely get their chance. Let's start off with the Rose Hill Guineas. This is race four. We're going to go in race book order today. So when we hear Guineas, what we know is that that is indicating that this is a race just for three-year-olds. And the Rose Hill Guineas is a group one over 2,000 metres, which is a touch longer than a classic Guineas, which are usually run over a distance of 1,600 metres. So Grace, the three-year-olds over 2,000 metres, what's the market looking like at the moment? Well, you're right, Fee. I mean, a Guineas is just to represent three-year-old company um, at stakes level, but you can basically have it run over 1400 meters we've got the bendigo guineas coming up in a few weeks all the way up until 2000 of the rose hill guineas which is at group one level so if we look at the market here for what's happening uh, in race number four so this is the first of the five group ones at rose hill on saturday we've got a short price favorite here in number five pericles for James Cummings in the Godolphin Royal Blue and for James McDonald, who has, as you'd expect, uh, a very, very good book of rides on Saturday. But looking at the market, it's pretty much Pericles. And then the next best favoured runner in the field is Elliptical, who is a Victorian trained horse who's been doing all of his racing here in Melbourne and heads up to Sydney now, third up. But uh, definitely a $2.70 favourite for the Group 1 Rose Hill Guineas, it would suggest that we've got the one short price favourite who will be awfully hard to beat. Okay, so leading on from that, Grace, I have a few of my fun facts that I collect for each race that we cover. And the Rose Hill Guineas is definitely one of Australia's most prestigious races. This race has been won by the who's who of racing, like Animo last year and others such as Farlap, Tulloch and Octagonal, just to name a few. 
And the Rose Hill Guineas is the second leg of the Triple Crown of Sydney's three-year-old racing. The first leg is the Randwick Guineas over 1,600 metres and the third leg is the Australian Derby over 2,400 metres. The last horse to win the Triple Crown was Dundeal in 2013 and he now stands at stud at Arrowfield. The main lead-up race in terms of our form is obviously the Randwick Guineas. And from what you were saying earlier, Grace, about how barriers play an important role at Rose Hill, they definitely do in the Rose Hill Guineas. Only three of the winners in the last 10 years has jumped outside of barrier eight. And my last fun fact is that in the last two decades, the race has been won predominantly by horses with single-figure odds. Mm. So, Grace, take us through who is catching your eye in this field. The stats say that uh, the race has been won predominantly by horses with single-figure odds, and we do have a clear favourite in Pericles. What do you think of his chances? I'm all about Pericles here, Fee. I think that he is just standing out to me as the winner of this race. The only other real danger, I think, at the 2,000 metres is elliptical, and he comes here after the Australian Guineas last start over 1,600 metres where he wasn't really attacking the line. I know that he was sort of interfered with in what was a fall in which all horses and jockeys were okay subsequently. You know, obviously Ethan Brown is um, on a road to recovery after that fall. but, But in terms of ellipticals run there, look, I just didn't think it was necessarily a good reference to now stepping out to the 2000 meters in a rose hill guineas he might surprise us he did run second in the spring champion stakes last spring at randwick at 2000 meters but again i just think that pericles is the one elliptical was definitely disappointing i think last start really fading to the line and i did question stepping him out to 2000 meters but he does have a bit of a gear change going on. So his blinkers are coming off. He's having visors on, which are sort of the middle ground between blinkers and winkers. And he's also having a tongue tie applied for the first time, Grace. So I'm wondering if there was something that came up post-race, maybe a breathing issue. The rider might have said that he was making a noise last start. The performance was lackluster, and I'm wondering if this gear change might help Yeah, definitely when you see tongue-tie going on first time, it can suggest that there might be an improved performance because now the horse might stop playing with his tongue or his tongue won't be interfering his wind pipes and his ability to get oxygen in, obviously, to perform at maximum capacity. Maybe, but I'm just not convinced. And the thing that I like about Pericles is that he probably maps to settle on speed. If you go back and look at his settling positions throughout his career, and he's only had six starts, like he's very much lightly raced and on the up. I think he goes forward here, sits either on speed or just in behind it. And I don't think that they're going to go overly hard. And I think he's just going to put them away from near the front. I think it'll be all over. And Pericles is definitely my selection in the Rose Hill Guineas. Obviously, his last win was very impressive. And I think going from 1800 to 2000, like he should be able to handle that very well going off his last race. Whereas some of these horses are stepping up from 1600 to 2000, which is, you know, a little bit more of a step up. So, yep, I'm with Pericles as well. He seems to be the one putting up his hand. Well, let's... Let's move on to race six, the Ramvet Stakes. This is a wait for age group one over 2,000 metres. Grace, how is the market looking for this race? Well, firstly, Fee, obviously Golden Slipper Day is all about the Golden Slipper and we're going to get to our form preview of that just in a moment's time. But this race is 
outstanding. I am so excited about <laughs> seeing who comes out on top in the Randvet Stakes. And it's so interesting because I suppose like Animo's not in this race. He's in the George Ryder. We'll speak about him shortly. But, you know, there's no there's no number one champ in this race. But I suppose that's what makes it so competitive. And that's what makes it so interesting to try and work out who the winner's going to be. So the market at the moment shows that we've got two equal favourites at $4. Gold Trip and also Moanga. And then we've got Hinged, who's been well-backed in early markets, as our third favourite at $4.50 in from $5. So there's absolutely nothing between three horses at the top of betting here. And then the next one is Dubai Honor at $4.80, who's in from $5.50. So this is as competitive a race as it gets, um, considering there's only eight horses in the field. Like it's a insane market at this early stage where you've got uh, four horses under $5. So I'm super excited to watch this race because I just think it's going to be one of those ding-dong battles. Yeah, it definitely looks like it's going to be a very close contest, Grace. I have a few of my fun facts for this one as well. So TJ Smith is the most successful trainer of this race, having racked up 12 wins during his career. And coming in second is daughter Gay Waterhouse with seven wins, although she doesn't have any runners in the race this year. Favourites have a very good record in this race. 10 of the last 17 winners jumped as favourites. And age also seems to be a factor on past performances. So only three horses younger than five have won this race in the last 17 years and the most successful age being six-year-olds. Now, I don't even think there's one six-year-old in this race, so we can disregard that one. Um, And Grace, another fact I read is that winners of this race are exempt from ballot in the Tancred, the Queen Elizabeth Stakes and the Sydney Cup. That confused me a little bit. Could you clear that up for me? What does that mean? So to win a ballot exempt race for any future feature race means that you basically get a golden ticket. You don't need to worry about your handicap rating, for example, to get into the Melbourne Cup if you win a ballot exempt race. You've already earned your spot. So to win the Randvet Stakes means that Um, you know, whoever wins this then gets automatic entry into those races that you just mentioned. With this ding-dong battle that you're expecting, Grace, uh, are you able to split these horses up? Are you going to be dabbling in this race? Well, I mean, there's just so much to talk about here. I'll quickly break it down for you. (laughs) So firstly, it's important to note that we've got two horses here that are having their first Australian starts trained by international superstar trainers. So we've got William Haggis, who is a UK-based trainer who has had so much success globally. Ryan Moore, one of the best jockeys in the world flying in from England to ride this horse. And then we've also got Raise You, trained by Joseph O'Brien, who is based in Ireland. And of course, he was the Melbourne Cup winner twice in recent years. Um, A young trainer who's just absolutely kicking goals. And both of these horses, like how do you measure them up? This Randvet Stakes has been won by a Dave a couple of times, who is an international horse that's done plenty of racing in Melbourne. And I would think that maybe that's sort of what sparked these two horses coming down for these races, both the Randvet Stakes and the Queen Elizabeth in a few weeks' time as well. So really spices things up, those two internationals, because it's just so hard to know how they're going to measure up um, against what is some very solid local opposition. So Gold Trip, let's start with him because he's one of those $4 favourites. He obviously won the Melbourne Cup last spring, over 3,200 metres, pure stamina on that occasion. But we just know that he's got plenty of ability. And we saw that first up last start, which was at Sandown back in late February. 
eye-catching run, like really launched late, finished an hour a second. That was off a very fast tempo. You can even go back and look at the replay. You can visually see how fast the leader is going and the second horse is even carting them along as well. So um, pressure was on, which suits a horse like Gold Trip, which is all about stamina. But I'm I'm not overlooking him because I know that he's got the ability. All I'm saying is that it was probably to his liking what happened last start that really played into his wheelhouse. And there's no guarantee that they're going to be going anywhere near as fast as that here, in which case it probably doesn't suit him as much. But we know that he's got heaps of class. Moanga is so interesting because he's just always like playing second fiddle to Animo, yeah. Zaki, Alligator Blood. Like you go back and look, he's always running huge races against the best weight for age horses that we have but the thing is none of them are here because we know that alligator blood and i'm thunderstruck are in melbourne for the all-star mile and animo is in the george Ryder, the next race we're going to talk about so mawanga finally gets a you know a chance where he's not up against the best of the best uh he's third up cannot knock the way he's been going this preparation 2000 meters big tick so he definitely gets his chance and then another one i just quickly want to talk about is hinged because james mcdonald sticks with this mare he rode her last saturday so she's on the seven day back up here out of the coolmore classic which was over 1500 meters for the fillies and the mares Normally, Hinge likes to settle on speed, but from a wide draw and with a really strong pressure up front, James McDonald just decided to sort of take her back to conserve her energy early. She ended up settling last in the run, which is un- very unusual for Hinged. And she finished off well. Now on the quick backup from barrier one, she can lead this. She can be right on speed. Um, so, you know, we know that Rose Hill is often favoring those horses that are near the pace. That definitely brings her into contention. Definitely expect to see Hinged a lot further forward in the run than she was last Saturday. And then, Fee, there's a horse by the name of Montefilia who has only drifted since the markets went up. And I can sort of understand why, but then I'm also thinking, hang on, she has done absolutely nothing wrong in her last few preparations. She was a $9.50 second favourite in the Melbourne Cup last spring. It didn't work out for her. She was very disappointing, but that was over 3,200 metres on a soft seven. You know, I can definitely forgive that. Then we look at what she did first up this preparation and from near last against Animo, she ran very well. The fastest last 200 Mm. metres of that race. So she was only taking ground off every other horse right to the line. Now she gets 2,000 metres, which is better for her. I can definitely make a case that she is the one that's pretty big in the market at $8.00. Um, I would definitely be having a place bet on Montefilia and she might even go into my Rose Hill Golden Slipper Day multi-fee. I'm going to have a place bet on Montefilia. She's going in my multi for uh, this Golden Slipper Day. I'll see how I go. I hadn't really paid much attention to her, Grace, but you've really uh, talked me around. I was looking mostly at Gold Tripped. I was just really impressed with his first up effort. But yeah, Montefilia does sound very good when you sell her like that. So let's move on to our third race that we'll be previewing, the George Ryder Stakes. This is race seven, a wait for age group one over 1,500 metres. We see Animo in this race, Grace, take us through the market. He'll be the clear favourite, I'm assuming. Well, this is the one that we all are 
Hailing is the king of weight for age racing in Australia at the moment. And that's just because he doesn't know how to lose. He just keeps on winning. He's now an eight-time Group 1 winner. And I think it's safe to say if he wins this race on Saturday, uh, we'll be seeing him be booking his plane tickets and getting his passport organized because he'll be heading straight over to the Northern Hemisphere for Royal Ascot um, to try and cement his ability as a dual hemisphere stallion in the future. That's the aim of the breeding side of the Godolphin um, team who own and bred Animo. They'll want to make him a dual hemisphere stallion and to do that it's ideal to be able to win at group one level over in the UK. So he's the one to beat here. He's at $1.60. And the next best in the market is Artorius at $7, which really interests me, Faye, because I think that Artorius's first up run was very, very exciting and suggests that he's in to just keep on going on his winning ways as preparation. The reason I'm so excited about that was that it defied usual Artorias things. Um, you know, he settled toward the rear of the field in a race that didn't have much tempo at all. If you go and have a look, you'll see that most of the horses are really relaxed right through until the bend at Randwick. You know, they're not under pressure. Um, it wasn't a fast run race. And he was able to outsprint them all, which is something Artorias never used to be able to do. So to see him do that suggests that he's improved. He's becoming more tractable, like he's understanding how to be able to let down properly and go past horses through horses and hit the line um, and get the job done. So I think that he'll be a key danger to Animo here. But then, of course, we know that Animo just doesn't know how to be beaten. He is a fighter. (laughs) He will see a horse coming up to his outside and he'll just click into the next gear. So obviously Animo is the one to beat, but I think that Artorias will be breathing down his neck at some stage. So Grace, no bet in this one. Just sit back and watch Popcorn Race. Hmm... That's an interesting one, Fee. I probably won't be betting in this race. Oh, yes, I will be, actually. I'm going to go. I'm going to go put Artorias to place in my Golden Slipper Day multi, please. That's what I'll be doing, $1.95. I'm building, obviously, a couple of legs in this multi. So, um, yep, $1.95 to place for Artorias will do me just fine. Yeah, good idea. Okay, so before we jump into our third race that we're previewing, the Golden Slipper, we do have a listener question. So let's go to that now. Okay, Grace, so this week's question is from friend of the show, Melanie Wade, who we were very lucky to meet last week at the fabulous Wakeful Club's Lady of Racing Awards luncheon, which was just a fabulous day out. She asks, how does the order of entry process work for two-year-old races like the Golden Slipper? Well, for the Golden Slipper and for feature two-year-old racing, um, it all comes down to prize money because obviously you might have 200 two-year-olds that want to take their place in the Golden Slipper, but but we're only going to run a field of 16. So how do you work out which 16 are the ultimate runners in the race? It all comes down to prize money. So if you take a look at the Golden Slipper field, you'll see that Little Bros is horse number one. He has earned the most prize money of any other runner in the slipper field. That's why he is right at the top. And then you go to Barber and Arkansas Kid and Don Corleone. And you'll see as you go down, they will have earned less prize money. Um, And then if you are on the cusp of getting into the race a couple of weeks 
out from the race, it's really important to be, you know, racing again to try and accumulate more prize money to secure your place in the field. So that's why you'll see horses running last Saturday, which is a quick backup into the Golden Slipper, but they need to get into the race to even have a chance. So they have to run. They're forced to run. If they win, like we've seen Steel City and Shinzo both do that, they're now in the Golden Slipper owing to that late prize money collect. Thanks for explaining that one to us, Grace. Let's go now straight into our Golden Slipper preview. So race eight, the Golden Slipper, a group one for the two-year-olds over 1,200 metres. It's set weights, so the boys are at 56 and a half and the girls are at 54 and a half. Grace, how's the market looking for the Golden Slipper this year? Well, as it always is, Fee, it is a very, very competitive race because this is the best of the best two-year-olds clashing. This is the race every trainer wants to win, every owner, every breeder is in the business to win. Um, Obviously, Australian racing, we love two-year-old racing. And it's just so interesting with a race like the Golden Slipper because if you are a colt and you win the Golden Slipper, you are off to stud next year and you will be commanding a pretty sizable service fee from your first year. Like it has such an impact, this one race and the winner of this race on the entire national racing landscape. So I'm excited to hear your fun facts about the Golden Slipper, actually. But in terms of the betting, Cylinder is our $3.90 favourite ahead of Learning to Fly, who was the only unbeaten horse in the race. She's a three-year-old filly trained by Annabelle Neesham, and she is three from three at $6.50. And then you get out to a horse like King's Gambit, who is the best of the rest at $9, and everything else is double figures. So wide open, um, plenty of different chances please what can you enlighten us with fee in terms of the fun facts firstly the golden slipper is the richest two-year-old race in the world five million dollars up for grab which is just staggering uh gay waterhouse and her father tj smith are the two most successful trainers of the golden slipper and in terms of our form the most successful barrier is barrier one with nine wins that is really interesting i know when we get to the form grace but that is very interesting so in the past 32 years Only five favourites have won the race, so favourites don't do particularly well here. The most successful price range seems to be between $5.50 and $8. And the last time a horse won off a non-Sydney lead-up race was 1999, a horse called Catbird. So some interesting stats there. The last one I'll throw out is that 12 of the last 13 winners have run in the top two of their lead-up race. So lots of interesting facts to digest there, Grace, that I really think we can take with us into our form analysis of this race, like the fact that you know horses coming up from Melbourne have not done very well in this race in recent history. Also that the most successful price range seems to be you know 5 to $8. What do you think? Yeah, that is a really, really interesting stat regarding the Victorian form. Um, and you can understand why a horse like Little Bros is $10 in the market, having last start won the Blue Diamond Stakes, which is the Victorian version of the Golden Slipper. It is a very hard race to win. Only a good colt or filly will win the Blue Diamond. And yet the market's not really respecting it, but it is probably because of the fact that it's so hard for these Victorian trained horses to travel up to Sydney um, and then bring their best against every local horse that's also being prepared 
to the minute for this exact race. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, having said that, I still think Little Bros has got a good chance in the race because his Blue Diamond win was pretty dominant and also in very yes. fast overall time. So where do we start when we take a look? Well, let's start with the favorite fee in Cylinder. For me, what I'm looking for, we want a horse that's ready to go to the next level on Saturday in the Golden Slipper, like that has been running well and now is ready to peak the best performance they've ever produced this Saturday. And I feel as though the main one or one of two or three maybe is Cylinder because he has won both of his starts this preparation, but both of them have been off pretty pedestrian tempos, you know, nothing strenuous early and just running home really strongly, beating his rivals, doing it pretty comfortably. From barrier three, I think James McDonald, who's the rider, will be able to put him in a position that's forward of midfield. If he gets the luck in running, I think he's the horse that is ready to go to the next level. And when I say that, it's because in a golden slipper and at Rose Hill, we know plays towards horses on speed. The amount of prize money and just what is at stake means pressure. There will be handlebars down for a few jockeys and horses here, especially Red Resistance, who's the leader in this field, and he jumps from barrier 17. He will be burning out of the barriers, cutting across and setting a really, really fast pace to this race because, um, you know, if you then consider all the horses drawn inside of him, inside of Barrier 17, that also want to be prominent and forward in the run, it's going to make him work to get there. So this is going to be a really high-pressure race, as a golden slipper always is. And that's why I just think Cylinder is primed, now third up, off a couple of cruisy runs where he just keeps winning. He just keeps saying, yep, I'm okay. I'm just carrying on my winning ways here. He's the one that's ready off a fast tempo to be very, very strong late. As opposed to learning to fly, who is the filly that is unbeaten, she actually had a mini slipper in terms of the pressure test, the pressure cooker contest last start. And I think that if she can kick on from that and go better, then she's got a chance. But if that is her at 1,200 metres in a, in a fast, in a strongly run race, I think others might have a measure here. So I know that that's probably not everybody's opinion, but that's the way I'm seeing it. At $6.50 learning to fly, I think that maybe she's the one that's a bit vulnerable now taking on some of these bigger colts that are going to be ready. So Grace, I see that you're leaning towards Cylinder and I had a look at both Cylinder and learning to fly's last start. So that was both two weeks ago at Randwick, same distance, same track different races and there was half a second between them which doesn't sound like a lot but you're very much leaning towards cylinder is half a second significant between race times well it definitely is fee and I think obviously when you think half a second that's nothing but then like the analogy of going back to you know swimming and how they're shaving one hundredths of seconds off to to break new world records and things like that half a second in racing terms is actually very significant it's about three three and a half to four lengths in distance a half a second is so um 
it's a great point that you raise because it's a really good example of what we were talking about when we were talking about sectional times last year when we decoded that topic. You can go back to that race meeting at Randwick on the 4th of March and look at the two overall times of Learning to Fly's win and also Cylinder's win and you can compare the times and you can confidently compare them because it was on the same day, you know, same conditions, um, same wind, all that sort of stuff. So the fact is that learning to fly was slower overall than cylinder and importantly, off a faster lead speed, which normally fee, if you're going out faster early, you're generally going to come home faster overall than a horse that goes really slow early and then just dashes home. So normally the fast run races are the fast overall races. But in this case, learning to fly and her competition in what was only a small field, they were actually getting tired to the line. So the late splits were on the slow side for the day, as opposed to Cylinder, who sort of just sat off what was just an even tempo and really dashed home, showed a tremendous turn of foot to sprint and win dominantly. So that's basically a comparison of the two key chances and it's a really good one to do because they raced on the same day. Yeah, thanks. That's uh, explained that really well. But there was one other one that I wanted to get your thoughts on who also ticks the box for a couple of stats and that is Shinzo. What do you think about Well, Shinzo is another cool more runner. So they've got learning to fly and Shinzo in this race. And this horse gained his way through that prize money collection last Saturday, winning the Pago Pago. And oh, Fee, I'm just, there's a lot to like about this horse. If you go back and watch the win, it was really exciting. From way back in the field, he was able to just monster home down the outside of horses, just like going three to their one. Looking at the overall time, it was okay. But what I think Shinzo is going to absolutely relish in this race is that high pressure tempo up front. To me, he seems like a horse that maybe even the sires over 1400 meters next start is going to be the perfect race for him. Um, he just He's not sharp. He doesn't have that really quick turn of foot like a real sprinting style of horse he needs to build and get through his gears and once he gets there he can sustain a strong gallop um so he's going to love this tempo barrier one which is the barrier you said has been most successful which i honestly can't believe like normally you think you're going to be unlucky but the thing is in a race like this where they go so hard early you know horses do move around and wobble around and get their clear galloping room so gaps do open and if the gaps open for shinzo and he doesn't have to go around a horse and he can take the saloon passage up the inside, I can definitely picture him being right in the finish here. And considering that he's a pretty big price, like he's $17 in the market, he's, yeah. a, he's a, a, I cannot talk you out of having an each-way bet on him. Yeah, he looks like a lot of value. And I just thought watching him race, like he still looks pretty green. Like he's got the speed, but he looks pretty wobbly coming up the straight. And he sort of hit the front in that race and almost looked like, what do I do? So I was a little bit surprised there's no gear going on him. I was thought he was maybe looking for some winkers or something like that. But I think like he might have the most improvement in terms of professionality yeah. out of these horses that I think have the best chances. So I'm wondering if he can take that step out of the race from last week 
like maybe he can, you know, make up those few lengths that he's off on on times and hopefully he just not gets so far back. Yeah. Oh, that's such a great point, Fee. Um, you're so right. Like he's still learning what it's all about. We've seen, you know, little bros win a blue diamond last start. That in itself was a target race for him. You know, we've seen learning to fly, win three in a row, continuing on a slipper path. But a horse like Shinzo is sort of just still on that upward spiral. Uh, as is a horse called Red Resistance, who last start was beaten by Cylinder. Expect Red Resistance to go a lot faster in this race than he did last start. So what that tells me for a stable, Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott, who are notorious uh, in terms of their tactics, where they just send most things forward, and it's a great place to be on speed because that's where you win most of the races. Considering that they had Red Resistance lead, but at a pretty mediocre tempo last start, says to me that that was a real just sort of like a tick overrun. They just wanted to let him have a bowl around to be primed for this Saturday. And you said it yourself, Gay Waterhouse has won so many golden slippers she knows exactly how to put the polish on them at $11 I think he's definitely a bet he's probably my second pick in the race it goes cylinder as my top pick and then red resistance as my second pick I just think that he'll have his handlebars down but he'll be hard fit he'll be ready to sustain that and he'll be awfully hard to catch so just give me the final numbers for you Grace and the golden slipper well I think I'm definitely with cylinder and he's the x-factor horse that I think we haven't seen the best of he's ready to go to the new level the best level that we've seen him be at throughout his career on Saturday. James Cummings, outstanding trainer, absolutely airborne. James McDonald, best jockey in Australia and also the world, as voted by the Longines World's best jockey rankings last year. So um, pretty good combo for Cylinder there. And then my next pick would definitely be Red Resistance. I then think that a horse like Steel City, um, she's extremely tough. And I think she actually maps really well from barrier 15. I think while it sounds like a wide barrier, just got to remember how many horses go forward here and how you can get sort of buried back in the ruck from low draws. So I think she'll be out of trouble from 15. Um, she's extremely tough. Her win last start was good. So I think that she is definitely in the mix. And then the three horses that come through the Blue Diamond, so that Victorian form line that mm. historically doesn't produce the winner, but it was a good Blue Diamond. It wasn't It wasn't a weak Blue Diamond. The, the time suggested that. Um, so I can definitely see Little Bros, Don Corleone, and also Arkansas Kid somewhere in the finish as well. So now we will move on to the last race that we are covering today the fifth of the group ones it is the galaxy stakes this is an 1100 meter handicap group one level grace how is the market looking for this group one wait for age sprint well this is the last group one on the day but it is certainly not the least because i'm so excited about this one because i think there are so many chances really strong melbourne form so i wonder if that features in your stats but the market at the moment is $4.60 in the favour of Uncommon James. He is at the top of betting. Then the next horse is Remark at $7, closely followed by Asfura at $7.50. And then you've got Eduardo at $8.50. Shades of Rose at $9.50 and double figures the rest. So pretty competitive betting race, as you'd expect for a Galaxy over the 1,100 metres at handicap conditions. 
So for my fun facts for this race, I actually only have a couple. I couldn't find too many. So just two for our form analysis. First one is that favourites don't have a very great record in this race. So we can look for some value within the market and be confident about that. And history shows that three-year-olds are quite successful in this race. Grace, who are you looking at in this race as the horses that are putting up their hand? Well, there's a couple, as you would expect, in a pretty open handicap group one contest. So um, a few of them come through the Melbourne version of this race three weeks ago, which was the Oakley Plate at Sandown. Exact same 1,100 metres group one under handicap conditions. This is a really good refresher for us, feet to remember how the weight allocation works under handicap conditions in a race. So if you go and look at the 13 horses in the Galaxy this Saturday, you can see that horse number one is Eduardo. And if you have a look on Racing Australia, for example, that website and go to fields and click on race nine at Rose Hill on Saturday, you actually can see the handicap ratings all lined up. And he he has a handicap rating, Eduardo, of 117. The next highest rated horse in the field is Uncommon James on 108. That is an almighty difference in handicap ratings. And as a result, we've got Eduardo on his own, just by himself right there at the top of the weights with 59 kilos. And then the next horse, Uncommon James, has got 54 and a half kilos. That is a huge weight spread between the top weight and the rest of the field. So just a refresher, remember that half a kilo equates to one rating point. So that four and a half kilo difference between Eduardo and Uncommon James exactly reflects the nine rating point difference in their handicaps. And then the other point that I just have to make is horse number 12, Key Largo. He has a handicap rating of 84. That means that he has 33 points between him and Eduardo on 117 versus 84. So if we're allocating half a kilo per one point, he should be getting 16.5 kilograms off Eduardo, but instead he's only getting eight kilos because no jockey is going to ride like 38 or whatever it is. Um, He only gets eight kilos off Eduardo. So he is severely disadvantaged under these handicap conditions. And it's an important point to note when you're looking at handicap races, you know, at group one level or even just Um, In general, you should always be looking at the handicap rating of the horses to work out which ones are well-weighted and which ones are not. That is so interesting, Grace. Thanks for putting that out. I never would have picked up on that just looking at the weights and at the at the rating points but that is very interesting and I guess there's a lot about the trainer's opinion of Key Largo to throw him into the race. So we've got Uncommon James as the favourite who won last start the Oakley Plate What do you think of his chances, Grace? Well, I think the Oakley Plate brings really good and strong form reference into the Galaxy here because it was a pretty rock-solid race, especially on the clock. If you visually go back and watch what transpired, Uncommon James wasn't too far off the leader um, and he was able to make up the ground on the leader pretty quickly and then kick home to be beating Lofty Strike by about a length. Lofty Strike then went and ran very well last Saturday down the Flemington Strait in the Newmarket Handicap. So the form's already stacking up. I'm going to get pretty technical here, Fee. Uh, Uncommon James last start, 53 kilograms. That was under handicap conditions in the Oakley Plate. Asfura last start, uh, she is a mare. She carried 53 kilograms. So it was only half a a kilo difference between those two when they were both 
in the Oakley Plate last start. Now, because Asfura only finished third and didn't win, she didn't gain any extra rating points. She actually goes down a kilo and a half to 51 and a half kilos here. Meanwhile, Uncommon James goes up, given that he was a last start winner, now carrying 54 and a half. So that is a pretty significant weight swing, as we'd call it, in Asfura's favor. And when weights are a big deal when it comes to these handicaps, obviously I keep banging on about them. Um, I just think that that definitely can makes Asfura a live, live chance in the in the Galaxy on Saturday. She was only first up last start in the Oakley Plate. Her run was still very, very good. She only was a length off the winner. So she's the one for me with 51.5 kilos on her back, Asfura, this Saturday in the Galaxy. The other one that has got a really good chance is Remark because if you look at his weights, he hasn't been racing in handicap races. So last start, he carried 58.5 kilos, was pretty good there behind Passive Aggressive and Giga Kick and Eduardo. And then the start prior, he won a benchmark 94, carrying 62 kilos, and now he drops to 51.5. So clearly he's up in grade, but that relief when it comes to the weight that he's got to carry in the run definitely um suggests that he can improve and go to the next level. That's very interesting. A horse that has caught my attention is number 11, Andermatt. Mm -hmm. He's a horse that goes really well fresh. So his fresh record is four wins from six starts. And his trainer, James Cummings for Godolphin, has freshened him up from his last start on the 18th of February. He's had a tick over jump out a couple of weeks ago now. And 1,100 metres also seems to be his distance for wins over that trip. So he's one that I'm going to be watching closely on Saturday just to see if my on-paper reading is is matching uh, the actual race. And that's the thing about Group 1 handicap races, um, you know, just to remind everybody, obviously at weight for age level, it's the best versus the best. And if you're not the best, you probably won't be winning. But with handicap racing, um, you know, even like the Sarupa Clarks or the Turak handicap in the spring in Melbourne, these are races that you can just be sort of like a benchmark 84, benchmark 100 horse, but sneak into one of these group one handicaps with a really light weight and have a live chance. So that's exactly what James Cummings would have done here with Ander Matt. He would have circled this race for a long time. He would have known that he's going to get in with 51 kilos and be able to run a, a really, really bold race fresh. It's a very good point that you raised there about his first up record. So I cannot talk you out of that feat. And just one thing, if Ander Matt was to win, I think James Cummings will have won with Pericles in the Rose Hill Guineas, Animo in the George Ryder, cylinder in the golden slipper and if he's with andermatt in the galaxy that could be four group ones for the godolphin army on saturday which would be absolutely incredible <laughs> yeah i also liked one last thing with him was that mcd's aboard yeah. and he's just having a sensational run at the moment so lots of ticks for me for andermatt but we'll see if he's up to the grade i guess on saturday well that is our five races covered i'm actually impressed grace i think we flew through them pretty well we could have been here for a few hours but uh, <laughs> yes. we've taken everyone's time into consideration and given a brief overview so do you want to run us through your multi for the day all right fee so my multi i'd already discussed that we were going the place with montefilia we we're going the place with artorias i'm also going to go the place with asphora at two dollar sixty and Look, if I wanted to be really brave, I would go Pericles 
to win. And that would give me a neat return of 31.94 to 1. Um, But you know what? If I didn't want to be brave and have Pericles winning for me, just the three legs, a a place all up with the three in it, Montefilia, Artorias, and Aspera, $11.40 is my price, which is actually, that's probably what I'll do, I think. I think I'm going to stick with that. And I actually think that that's a pretty good bet. I'm going to see how I go, Fee. Yeah, good luck with that one. That sounds pretty good, considering they're all very good chances for a place. Well, that was another jam-packed episode, a form preview of five Group 1s. It's an absolutely fabulous day of racing on Saturday across New South Wales and Victoria with the All-Star Mile. So hopefully you've been able to follow along with our previews and can start to make your own assessments of who you think the winners are or the place getters are of each of the five Group 1s on Saturday. We'll be back next week with another fresh episode. But for now, if you would like to support the show, there's a few things that you can do. First thing is to make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast, whether that's in Apple Podcasts or Spotify. This helps other people find us on the streaming apps. Also, while you're there, leave us a review. That would be very helpful. The other thing you can do is follow us on social media. So we are on Instagram mostly. We also have a Twitter account, Facebook, and we have our Ladies Who Punt Social Club group on Facebook as well. All of the links to those will be in our show notes. So good luck everyone with the punt on Saturday. Hopefully you've enjoyed this episode and we've been able to help you find some winners and we will catch you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.